Welcome to the NateHoldridge.com podcast. Today, we're talking about an unsung hero in the Bible, Epaphras. Now, this is a guy who wasn't spoken of much, but when he was spoken of, it was all really good stuff. So join us as we talk today about the priority, the passion, and the prayer life of Epaphras. Okay, man. So everybody's favorite character in the Bible, Epaphras, <laughs> <laughs> the big dog, Epaphras. Man, I I feel like I've read his name before. I just have honestly kind of skipped over this guy. Um, Paul talks about him, but I just haven't really spent a whole lot of time even just thinking about him. But how cool that you wrote a full article about Epaphras. Can you kind of tell us where where does he come up in Scripture and who's talking about him? Yeah, so Paul is uh, includes him in his conclusion to the letter to the Colossian church. Okay. Apparently, he was from Colossae because he says, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus. Mm. Apparently, he had been a little bit of a gift uh, to Paul and was there ministering uh, to him. So he visited Paul. He befriended Paul. And uh, the reason he was visiting Paul and Paul wasn't visiting him is because Paul was imprisoned in Rome. Got it. And so uh, Paul considered Epaphras like a co-laborer in the gospel. Uh, some people think that he might have been the founder of the church in Colossae mm. uh, from a verse in Colossians chapter 1, verse 7. And uh, eventually, as you read the book of Philemon, he had become a co-prisoner, uh, a fellow prisoner oh, wow. with Paul. So that may have been... A, a metaphorical statement from Paul, but some people think that he might have actually become arrested yeah, uh, for wow. the preaching of the gospel and had become actual Paul, Paul's actual literal fellow prisoner. Wow, interesting. That's crazy. What a wild relationship these two guys had. Um, and, and thinking about Epaphras, you broke down a couple different things about just from kind of like a, a glance of what we know about him, things that Paul said about him. Mm-hmm. But you talk about Epaphras's priority, his passion, and his prayer. Oh, yeah, baby. They all start with P. <laughs> oh, yeah. I didn't even notice that. Good job on that. Three Ps for your brain to remember. Uh, so priority. This guy was a man who had um, his priority in serving Christ. As you were just mentioning, he gave his life for serving the Lord. Um, yeah. And in your article, you wrote, he was a servant of Christ Jesus. So Christ came first in his life. And I don't know about you, Nate, but I know for me, like I've always just wanted people to be able to look at my life. I want God to look at my life and for God and people to say, like Riley is a servant of Christ Jesus before anything else. Yeah. That that would be kind of the main thing that's remembered about my life. That mm. That's like the main characteristic for me, and I'm just kind of curious, thinking about Epaphras, what were the things maybe that Paul was seeing in his life that would cause him to say that Epaphras was a servant of Christ Jesus? Yeah, I think the beautiful thing is every Christian, every believer can have this said about them, yeah. regardless of what kind of particular calling God places on their lives. You mm-hmm. know, the way that Paul saw it with Epaphras was here he is, he's visiting me, he's encouraging me, 
He's willing to do the different things that I've asked him to do for yeah, the Lord and right. in ministry. There's just something about the way that Epaphras carried himself that Paul looked at and said, this guy has made himself into a slave of Jesus, right? a yeah. servant of Jesus. His main goal and ambition and priority is to serve Christ. You've probably heard the old concept of having you know priorities in your life and as a christian we should be god first and then mm. family second and then church third or yeah. you know something like that but really that was not epaphras's or new testament christians uh way of thinking about the lord that mm. the, he was number one and then other things were number two it was that he was everything and so in my family, I'm a servant of Christ. And in my workplace, I'm a servant of Christ. And in my church, I'm a servant of Christ. My one priority is to serve him. Yeah, and if that means yeah. that I'm the ticket taker at the local cinema right. and I am, you know, there under the leadership of, you know, movie theater management, I am the servant of Christ at this door and I'm yeah, going to yeah. uh, smile. I'm going to be encouraging. I'm going to be responsive. I'm going to do my job really well and effectively. I'm going to bring the energy to right, what I'm doing. Right. I'm not going to be lazy or put out a vibe that says I don't want to be here. Mm. I'm the servant of Jesus Christ. And he's, even as I'm doing this thing, I consider it service to him mm. as I'm parenting the children that God has given to me, I consider myself a servant of Jesus Christ, yeah, an in, in, instrument for Jesus in the lives of these children. So what things is Jesus trying to put in them? Mm. What things is Jesus wanting them to know and learn and hear and believe about him, but also to believe about themselves, you know, and as I go to church, you know, and as I'm there with my fellow believers to primarily see myself as a servant of Jesus Christ. So I want to be used in other people's lives. I want to be equipped as yeah. I'm here listening to the Bible, listening to the word of God. I want to be equipped better for the service that he wants me to do yeah. in this life. You know, I want mm -hmm. to lay my life out for other people. And as I'm cruising the, you know, lobby of the church or the patio of the church, I'm thinking about how can you use me right now, Lord? Is there yeah. anybody you want me to speak to or to mm -hmm. encourage? You know, how can you use my life? So the, the you know, service or some translations put it that Epaphras saw himself as a slave of Christ. Mm -hmm. The idea there is my whole life, everything about me, you know, I want it to be subservient to him, subservient to Jesus. Yeah. And, you know, it's important not to create some kind of crazy uh, false dichotomy with that, you know, mm. to, to, be, to be thinking, um, you know, that, okay, well, uh, when I'm a servant of Christ, that means that I am specifically engaging in right. the act of like making a disciple particularly. Right. right. And then, you know, shifts happen in my life. And now I have to, you know, I've had a bunch of kids or something like that. And my attention, like I can't do everything that I did before. Mm. So now I must not be really a servant of Christ. And there are times that that's accurate. There are <laughs> yeah. times where a person right. just allows their life to get so cluttered yeah. that really you, you could not describe them as a servant of Christ. They may know the Lord, but, you know, you wouldn't really say that person's 
overarching priority is to serve Jesus mm -hmm. with their lives. But what I'm trying to posit is that is more than possible. In fact, it is wonderful and beautiful for a person to be able to say, look, you know, here's the season of life I'm in right now. I've got this job that's demanding 70 hours a week from me, right. or I've got these children that are demanding, you know, so much of my time and so mm -hmm. much of my energy, yet I can be a servant of Christ in the midst Through of it, this yeah. job and in the midst of mm -hmm. raising these children. They are, this is my opportunity to be the servant of Christ in wow. this community or in this role that's in front of me. Hmm. It's a beautiful way of looking at the responsibilities in front of us and not, like you said, not putting that down in, in a thought that maybe if you were doing something in the church or some kind of, like you said, like leading a group of people or doing a Bible study, that's the only way to honor God yeah. or to have him as first priority by doing those things. But it's more of like a, like a posture almost. Yeah, it's it part of the seems. reason for us in our fellowship that we're a part of, Calvary mm -hmm. Monterey, it's part of the reason why we believe in such a simple flow and structure yeah, for amen. our church. You know, we, we, what we don't want is we don't want Christian lives that are so cluttered and so busied with a church calendar. Mm -hmm. And we don't, part of the reason we don't want that is because we don't want people to think that that is what it looks like to have uh, a priority for Jesus right, Christ right. in your life. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, the truth of the matter is that uh, it, it seems like from looking at the book of Acts, from seeing the, you know, original believers, it seems like you could have a rock solid commitment to the public mm -hmm. gathering of your church family. You know, so most churches meet on Sundays, so you could have a rock solid commitment to that, plus relationships with other Christians where you're you're praying, you're reflecting on the Bible a little bit, you're talking about life together and you're supporting each mm -hmm. other, and then just doing some form of ministry and that that would be a pretty robust Christian life. Mm. And that, that doesn't have to be a packed out church schedule where right. you're at the church facility, you know, three, four five times each week. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, that's part of the reason why we like to, one of the reasons why oh, we yeah. like to have a simple Absolutely. flow here. Another major one being that we want it to be very clear for people, you yeah, know, where to plug that. in and where to go, you know, and things like that. But, you know, one of the reasons for having things be simple, at least one of the reasons, is because of that. So that you can really have the priority of being a servant of Christ throughout your whole life, whole life. rather than That's just right. during these pockets where something is on the church calendar. That's good. So Paul saw Epaphras as a man who had his priorities right. He was focused on honoring God with everything that he was doing. I think that's just so beautiful. You talked to you about his passion. Can you talk to us about what was uh, what was Epaphras passionate about? You mentioned that he was from Colossae. He may have been like a pastor. What was he passionate about? Yeah, well, Paul said that Epaphras, he greets you always struggling on your behalf in his prayers that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for all those in Laodicea and in Hierapolis. Mm -hmm. So particularly, it seems that Epaphras had a passion for that particular region. That valley that had Colossae, Laodicea, and Hier Hierapolis 
located inside of it. They were located about a dozen miles from each other. So Epaphras, apparently, there was a specific region or specific group of people that he had a uh, passion or a zeal uh, Mm -hmm. for. He wanted those particular Christians, those particular people to come to Christ and then to walk with Christ and to, and to walk mm, with Christ well. You know, yeah. God, of course, is able to look at the whole world and have an equal amount of passion and zeal and desire for every people group and every nation yeah. and uh, every ethnicity and every point of pain on the face of the whole planet. Mm. You know, it's all to the max. Yeah. It's all turbo <laughs> level, you yeah. know, with God. But obviously, you know, we as human beings, we don't have that. Yeah, you know, totally. we just cannot possibly be passionate for every single thing that there is to be passionate about here on earth. It doesn't yeah. mean that we have to be uncaring about certain things that we should care about. It's right, just that right. we only have a certain amount of energy and attention and time and units f- to work with to actually yeah. be passionate. Those boundaries, right? Yeah. So Epaphras was a guy who apparently had a zeal for the people within that particular you know region so i think that speaks to us of the uh maybe need would be too strong of a word but the possibility yeah because epaphras had this the possibility of emulating a guy like that and allowing jesus to give us our particular point of passion mm. or our particular point of interest. This is part of the reason why the body of Christ is really important right. because there's no way that, you know, you sitting across the table from me are going to be passionate about the same exact groups of people mm-hmm. or pockets of pain that I will. Right. Um, totally. You know, there's no way that I am going to have the same exact you know, groups and thoughts about who needs to be reached and ministry than even my own bride. Yeah, you know, she's totally. going to have a unique thing that God has placed inside of her. And to allow that to develop, you know, yeah. in our hearts and lives is really important. You know, mm-hmm. when I first started walking with the Lord and serving in ministry, I had a massive, you know, passion for teenagers. You know, mm-hmm. part of the reason for that was just god's natural way of growing a person up you know so Mm. it was harder for me at that stage of my life to have a passion for young families because i wasn't even married yet i I hadn't had children yet you know would i say they're important i'd say yeah of course they're important yeah Uh, but i just wasn't there yet but i'd come out of those teenage years and i had a passion for people that i could relate to you know, knowing the Lord, mm-hmm. walking with the Lord. And so that was a big passion in my life. Obviously, you know, now at this stage of my life, almost 40 years old, you know, I still have a passion for teenagers. I still mm-hmm. want to see them know the Lord, oh, walk yeah, with him. And I'm, sure. I'm always like trying to read about them and study yeah. them. That particular passion hasn't gone away, but the uh, the passion has grown, you know, to where I'm able yeah, to see good. a little bit more of the the fuller body of Christ, the whole body of Christ. So allowing the Lord to produce that, to work that in your life and heart is important. You know, the the reality is, I think a lot of Christians don't understand that the Holy Spirit has actually done something to them. So they'll see like Uh maybe a person with, you know, from a a particular people group, a certain uh, ethnicity, Mm -hmm. and they'll feel like compassion. (laughs) 
you know, in a heart. Like, right. oh, man, I, I really care about the people from this people group that are living in our community. Yeah. And they'll almost tell themselves that that just must be, you know, why doesn't everybody feel that way? Or that just mm. must be me or, you know, something like that without yeah. realizing that might be the spirit of God that has put that inside Straight of you. Straight up. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. to, to look out at a body of believers and to see, you know, college students yeah. and to just have your heart bleed for them and really care about them rather than sitting there wondering, why doesn't everybody feel this way? You know, mm. maybe answer that question first with, because if that's all the Holy Spirit designed us to care for, then we'd be out of balance. Amen. But he's made me this way right. and he's given me that passion. So I think sometimes we do good. good to kind of realize this might be the Holy Spirit <laughs> that is crafting you in that kind of way, giving you that kind of gifting, mm. giving you that kind of desire. And obviously there are going to be some desires and passions and people groups and all of that that someone will have a desire and a zeal for that aren't as glamorous, aren't yeah, as well known for sure. as others, but it's okay. Just embrace yeah. you know, the desire that the Lord has placed inside you. Hmm. That's so good. I love that kind of idea of passion. I've kind of thought of it this way in my life as expanding. Like the passion expands over time as you begin to learn about people and as the Spirit of God speaks to you and puts burdens on your heart. And yeah, it changes from season to season. Um, but it's just a beautiful process when the Holy Spirit's doing that inside of a Christian life. I love that. Yeah, it's that's such a great way of saying it, Riley. You know, and, and I think it just seems to me that especially with men mm-hmm. in the body of Christ, it's really important that we would allow God to give us that passion for even the small area of influence Mm -hmm. that God has seen fit to give to us. Because I think a lot of times what we can tend to do is say to ourselves, well, you know, if I could have broad influence, right, then I would be passionate. Instead of just saying, if the opportunity in front of me is two guys, mm-hmm. if the opportunity in front of me is one small group yeah, filled with people who may or may not be on the same page as me, may or may not even really want my input and leadership, mm-hmm. but that I'm going to own that and be passionate for that, that just leads to a million other things. Oh, absolutely. And... I've found a lot of times in the body of Christ, you know, the folks who are really allowed the Lord to work that in their heart and they embrace it, Mm -hmm. what's in front of them, the opportunity that's given to them, the Lord just propels them forward. But as uh, the people that I've seen always chafing against that and always trying to just create their own thing, do their own thing or whatever, it just makes it harder. And usually you just don't really move forward you know so oh yeah i think my encouragement is to really embrace what the lord has placed in front of you oh yeah i feel like i've been on both sides of that at different times in my life yeah the moments when when i choose to embrace it seems like god just really does something powerful in that gives you a burden gives you that strength and yeah it kind of just leads to 
things that you probably wouldn't ever really expect in your Christian life that grow and change. And so, yeah, it's really good to have a passion um, like Epaphras. You also talk about Epaphras's prayer life a little bit. And uh, that was one of the things that really struck me in this passage was that Paul spoke about his prayer as kind of like a struggle. Like he had a, he had his passion for people, he wants to see them grow, yeah. but he, his prayer life was a struggle. He like really felt that. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Like for somebody who is passionate, like <clears throat> what does that look like for somebody to kind of go through um, a tough time in prayer for mm-hmm. people? Yeah, I'm laughing at the the line that I wrote in here because Paul's way of saying it was he's always struggling on your behalf in his <laughs> prayers. And so I described that a little bit. And then I had this little sentence that said, quote, this guy prays hard, Paul thought to himself. <laughs> like, <laughs> so, this guy I was prays. just like imagining like that, that whole scene going down, you know, where they're trying to have a prayer meeting and Epaphras, <laughs> whenever he's praying with Paul, it's like, oh, okay, we're going to pray for Colossae and Hierapolis and Laodicea again, I Jump guess. right into it. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. You know, and Paul just looking at him going, that's, he is just always <laughs> struggling in prayer yeah. on behalf of you in particular, you know, so I, man, I, love I just that. love that, you know, the, the wrestling with God mm-hmm. in prayer and or wrestling in prayer, struggling, uh, in prayer. Yeah. And you know, that's, it always brings me joy, you know, to, um, to see that because I, I think that's one of the ways that you do discover your passions, oh, you yeah, know, is sure. through prayer, you discover Oh, these are the things that this person keeps going back to. Yeah, you know, and I, I that they just keep on praying for that region. That must be a an area of real interest, something that God has done in their yeah. hearts to bring them to that to that place. So, th- this is probably probably the cornerstone pillar kind of description of Epaphras that Paul gives. I mean, if Epaphras was reading the letter that Paul wrote to the Colossians. You know, of all the things, a servant of Christ, uh, and what he, you know, that he prayed for them, and his yeah. hard work for them, and those in Laodicea and Hierapolis. This description is the best of all. Mm-hmm. I mean, struggling on your behalf in prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. So, mm-hmm. just laboring in prayer for the people that the Lord has put in front yeah. of you. You know, mm-hmm. and. You know, for instance, if you're a small group leader, are you laboring mm-hmm. in prayer for the maturity of the people yeah. that are in front of you? You know, I mean, there's just so many things to lift up the, oh, to the so Lord right. to help them progress in their maturity. Mm-hmm. And I find a lot of people want to try to produce maturity in other people's lives, but aren't willing to pray for maturity Come in on, other people's man. lives. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Epaphras. He was all about that. He was just going to God for these people and zealous in the realm of prayer. What a cool man. It just sounds like, I wish I would have maybe heard a little bit more about him, like in scripture or something like that. It just seems mm-hmm. like a really influential kind of guy. Well, very cool. Is there anything else that you'd like to share about Epaphras, Nate, or anything um, that you can kind of encourage us in, in pursuing a life that is kind of resembling that of Epaphras. Yeah, I think that we should all just be encouraged by the presence of people like Epaphras mm, in yeah. the Bible and in the New Testament church and economy. Because we're not all Paul, we're not all Peter, yeah, we're not right. all, you know, these folks, but we are a body of believers. And 
the reason, part of the reason at least, why, you know, figures like Peter and Paul mm-hmm. are pretty dominant figures in books like the book of Acts and the story of the expansion of the church is because Luke was giving us a record of the key moments of how the gospel was spreading throughout the whole world in such a short period of time. That should not lead us to think that God wasn't doing bazillions of other little things through people that we'll never even know and that we'll never even hear about. That's real. the The point isn't our fame. The point isn't for mm-hmm. people to know about us. The point is that we're faithful with what God Amen. has put in front of us, and to be encouraged by the presence of this guy Epaphras in the Book of Colossians to understand that God has this value system. Yeah. He sees Epaphras, and he's blessed by this man's obedience and life. So you might be one of those really well known believers and you might be a a, a a believer who is relatively unknown but it doesn't matter you're known right. before That's god right. and so he's watching your life and he's blessed by your obedience and by your zeal and by your mm-hmm. prayerfulness so don't be dis- deterred if you aren't the paul celebrate that god still rejoices over you and that no matter whether you're well known or, or unknown the point is to be able to stand before the Lord and hear him on that last day say, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of the Lord. So perhaps we should be encouraged by the relative anonymity of guys like this. Thanks for joining us today in this conversation. For more articles and resources from Pastor Nate, please go to nateholdridge.com and search the archives All of his articles are there. And while you're online, please share an episode of this podcast with a friend. We would love to see this podcast get into as many hands and ears as possible. And as always, tune in next week for a brand new episode from this show. But until then, God bless you guys. We'll see you soon.